have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 24. And uh, today we're going to show you some pictures, when they get up, on the Mount of Olives. Matthew 24 is known as the Olivet Discourse. And uh, this is a picture taken of the Temple Mount, and that's the Dome of the Rock in Jerusalem, from the Mount of Olives. This is a place where, actually probably very close to the area where Christ gave this this talk to his disciples, this discourse on top of the Mount of Olives, and we'll, you'll see some more significance. Again, that is the Temple Mount. You're looking across the Kidron Valley from the, the uh, uh, Mount of Olives, and the Kidron Valley is a very, very important place, and uh, it's where, <laughs> there's camel. There's people all over there wanting to sell you pictures and all sorts of stuff and hats and, and give you camel rides. I didn't go. Once again, looking at the Temple Mount. Let's stop just a second. This, this area here where that black dome is, if you can see that, that's the Al-Ask Bosque. The Dome of the Rock is over, many people believe is, that is over the site that would be where the temple once stood. Uh, they believe that that rock that's in there is the place that Abraham um, offered up Isaac. And the Muslims believe that that's the place where Abraham offered up Ishmael. All down there, you see all down in this area, and you'll see some more coming in a few minutes, and all the, uh, and then there's the valley. Those are all, that's all a huge cemetery. And the same thing is on the other side. The one on this side, on the, of the base of the Mount of Olives, uh, which you're seeing here, is Jewish, and the one on the other side that goes up to the eastern gate of the Temple Mount is Muslim, and I'll explain to you a little bit more about that in a minute. These are all, this is very prized place to be uh, buried. You see coming down in this area, there's a church over here, and that church is called All Nations Church, and the, that area where you see all the kind of groomed trees, that is the Garden of Gethsemane. Again, you're looking down to the Kidron Valley, across the Kidron Valley, and you see all the, the, uh, the cemetery. Once again, the Dome of the Rock. And there's a guy who'll give you a ride on a donkey. Let's see. Go ahead through. We got a chance to walk through that whole graveyard, kind of run through there a little bit. see that a lot. Uh, in just a minute, I'm going to show you why we're, there's, oh, yeah, we were there. We just wanted to prove that we were there. We had somebody take that picture. There we go walking down through the, our group walking down through the, uh, the graveyard. I'll give you a, As we're walking down toward the Kidron Valley, and you can see the, the, the Temple Mount on the other side, the Kidron Valley is, when the Bible talks about the um, blood running uh, to the, the, the bridles of the horses, mouths, that's the place. And we'll talk about later in, in another message, but some people think it's the Valley of Armageddon. The, the Valley of Megiddo or, the, the, or where Ab, Armageddon is, is the staging place for a battle coming to Jerusalem. That valley's huge. I don't know if there's enough blood in the world to make it go that thing, that high. So we're, we're, the Kidron Valley is very narrow, though. And that's where we're, you're going to see. Go ahead. You got a nice shot of the back of my head. 
Uh, that's one of the churches there by the Garden of Gethsemane. Or, I'm sorry, yeah. Orthodox Church. We're going through the streets to get to there. This is part of the Garden of Gethsemane. We're not going to preach on Garden of Gethsemane today. We'll do that another time. But you can see those olive trees are about 2,000 years old. It didn't look like that when Jesus was there, though. I mean, the trees may have been there, but they didn't look like this. But it's a, that's a very special place when you get to go there. So we spend a lot of time in just quiet reflection. Two-thousand-year-old olive tree. Okay, stop right. This is the last one. I think. This is the eastern gate on the Temple Mount. And you, I want you to notice all the tombs there. The significance of that is that when Jesus comes back, he is going to come to the Mount of Olives. And the Mount of Olives is going to split apart. And then he's going to walk through the eastern gate to the temple. The Muslims have decided that they will put a graveyard there so he can't walk through there. I guess you just... They don't understand that huh, he, that doesn't, it's not going to stop him because he was resurrected them. So, but this is the eastern gate. This is where when Jesus returns at the second coming, he will hit Mount Olives. It will split apart. He will go across the Kidron Valley into the eastern gate, into the Temple Mount, and boy, things change big time then. It will start a thousand years of his rule and reign on this earth. If we get to reign with him. All right, I think that'll, that's the last. So, Matthew chapter 24, we're actually going to talk today a little bit about the, the signs of the second coming. You know, <laughs> we have so many issues, so many difficulties in life, but there's times that we need to talk about prophecy. Now, i got to tell you something. Sometimes I'm a little bit reluctant about this, because Prophecy is one of those things that, that can really get people wrapped up. They can, get so ex they can get so excited and then get so focused that they lose reality. They just stay on prophecy all the time. I had a few men in the, the last church. They were kind of, it was kind of comical on Sunday mornings. They sat out in the foyer. We had a, a love seat and a couple chairs, and there's about four guys that sit up there, and they'd they talk about what Hal Lindsey said the night before on his TV program. And they were all these prophecy guys, and they are talking about all the prophecy and stuff, and they were just really focused on that. In the meantime, they didn't see what was going on around them in this world. So prophecy can be a little bit of a, 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 a challenge for us. But with something we do need to know, there's some things that we need to know. We need to know that Jesus is coming back. He's promised that. And that's what the disciples wanted to know. Here in Matthew chapter 24, they want to know, when are you coming back? What's going to go on? The Bible has very much predictive prophecy. And when they're understood, prophecy will, pro will produce holy living. This, the Bible is a book of prophecy. It says that one out of every 30 verses deals with a prophetic event. There is more written in the Bible about the second coming of Christ than there is his first coming. And 24 of the 27 books of the New Testament all speak of prophecy. 
So it's an important thing, and we need to kind of do, we need to kind of get into that. And listen, if you ever look at the, the magazine headlines and that, that uh, or, you, you know, that checkout line in the grocery store that you don't want to pretend you don't want to look at that stuff, you know, you use it, not me, but you're really kind of checking out whatever, whatever celebrity is in trouble now. It seems like they're all in trouble right now. My goodness. Uh, they all talk a lot about prophecy. And if you go to like the History Channel, well, they used to go to the History Channel, but they'll talk about Nostradamus, and they'll talk about all this other prophecy and how the world's going to end, National Geographic, uh, TV shows air about it, man, there's books all written about it, and everybody wants to know when this thing's going to end. I think we all know that it's going to end sometime. You know, there has to be a beginning, a middle, and an end, and, and I think we're all looking for that end. By the way, just a sideline, if you're here and you've heard someone set a date for Christ's return, it ain't going to happen. It's just not going to happen. Matthew 24, 36 says, But the day and the hour knoweth no man, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. You know, there was the Y2, what, Y2K, 1988, there was the Hale-Bopp Comet, and just recently he had well, all these moons and stuff, right? And well-meaning people dig into that prophecy, and they look at this moon, and they look at this sign, and they're doing this, and they're, they're, they won't quite say he's coming back, but he sure, he sure makes you believe that he's going to be back during one of these events. When you hear all that stuff, just turn it off. Just turn it off. That could be a great way for Satan to distract you from doing what Christ really has us to do here. So with that being said, let's, let's move on here. It's not surprising that, that Jesus' disciples wanted to know about the end time. So here we are in Matthew 24. Matthew 24, verse 1. Let me read this to you. And Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came uh, to him to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, See ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, There shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And as he said upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? You see, Jesus tells his disciples that the temple is going to be destroyed. Now, don't you understand? You saw pictures of the, the temple mount. The real temple was several layers underneath that. Okay, you can actually, we actually go underground and see the retaining walls from the temple. And it, there's several layers. You know, they just keep building up on this stuff. So the actual temple, the actual eastern gate is several feet underneath the, the present eastern gate, which again shakes me up why they're going to put graves there. They're going to stop the Lord Jesus Christ from coming back. That's not going to happen. <clears throat> but that temple that was there, the magnificent temple that was rebuilt by Herod, um, after the Babylonian uh, exile, Ezra came back and they built Zerubbabel's temple, and uh, then Herod the Great came and he just he kept building and kept building, and it was going to last forever. In AD 70, the Romans came 
and tore it up. In fact, we can you can actually see stones that came from there that's just in a pile. They're just all thrown down. We walk by those and put our hands on them. They want to know, when will this happen? When will this temple be destroyed? And then he goes on, the disciples are going to ask a couple other questions. What is the sign of your coming? When are you coming back? And, and what are the signs of the end of the world? Well, here's the thing we need to understand. Jesus is coming back. John chapter 14, you know this passage. It says, let your heart not be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, you may be also. We're going to go back. He's coming back. He left and is preparing a place for us. I'm going to be very precise. In the Greek, I don't know. Don't you guys hate that in the Greek? Well, I paid a lot of money to take Greek four times. So I'm going to use it because I'm still trying to get my money's worth out of it. That word is translated mansions. It means dwelling places. It's dwelling place. In our mind, I'm thinking of a big plantation mansion with columns. and If that's what's going on in your mind, or a castle or something, that's not, what, that's not really what Jesus is building you. I know we have a lot of songs that talk about those things, and we kind of get where he's, there's going to be a place for us to live, a dwelling place. Now, I can imagine that wherever we live that Jesus is going to build is going to be just perfect for us. So it will be a mansion of some type. He's going away to prepare this, and he's coming at, back. Acts chapter 1, verses 10 and 11, these guys are standing on this Mount of Olives we're talking about, that place where we were at, and, and it says, verse 10 says, And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye there gazing into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. <laughs> I find a little bit of, of humor here. Can you imagine the disciples were standing on the Mount of Olives, and Jesus starts going up in the air? And I'm sure they're looking, going. And the angel goes, why are you looking like that? He's coming back. Angels aren't human. I don't think they get it. <laughs> That's an amazing thing for a human being to see. Fact of the matter, though, Jesus is coming back. He's coming right back, same way he went up. He went up into the air. He's coming back through the air on a horse, and we're going to be with him. And he's going to touch foot on the Mount of Olives. It's going to split apart. And, wow, the time is coming. He is coming back. That should excite us. We, we don't know the day, but there are signs that we can look for. One sign is mentioned in, in verse 32. It's an indicator to when we should start looking for other signs. Matthew 24, 32. Now learn the parable of a fig tree. When his branch is yet tender and put it forth leaves, ye know that summer is nigh. So likewise, when ye shall see all these things, know that it is near, even the doors, even at the doors. Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass till all things be fulfilled. 
heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. This fig tree, I believe that this fig tree is represented by the nation of Israel. 1948, a miracle took place. The nation of Israel was born again, or reborn, into the family of nations. It became a nation after 2,000 years of being scattered all around the world. That piece of property has been called all sorts of things. It's been ruled by all sorts of people, but Israel wasn't. Israel wasn't, a, it was a geographic place, but there was no nation. 1948, that became a nation. I believe that's the start of the fig tree. I believe that's the start of signs that we can look for. In 1980, a Gallup poll said that 62% of Americans believed that Jesus was coming back. Do you know, realize that every single religion has, here's a good theological word, a doctrine of eschatology. That means end times. Every religion has that. Islam believes there's a Mahdi coming. And the Mahdi, this, this 12th Ahmad, it sure sounds a lot like what our Bible calls the Antichrist. But every religion has a end time or a end of the world teaching. Listen, we're here this morning. We have to start looking for the signs. The signs of Christ's return. And we do that by looking at the indicators. The first thing we need to look at as the indicators are, well, the spiritual indicators. Matthew 24, verse 4. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars, that ye be not uh, see that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Listen, there are a lot of negative signs that are coming out today in this spiritual realm. There's a lot of false teachers. Folks, it's everywhere. It's every, even, even so-called Christians are falling for false teachings. Do you know how I know that? I go to Facebook. Y yeah. Okay, I don't want to offend you but I am not going to repost or like or share something that says if you repost, like, or share that God's going to give you a blessing. Okay? Because see, what you're saying then is that you're God. Because you're going to make God, you're going to manipulate God to do what you want Him to do. Okay? I know that sounds nice, and it's, the truth of the matter is, no, God's sovereign. He's going to do what He wants to do. And whether we click, like, and share, ain't going to anything to do with it. That those teachings, though, come from someplace, and they're false teachings. All you have to do is watch some quote-unquote Christian TV. I'm not going to name names because there's too many, and they change, and they, I, I, I don't know. I can't, I, can't, I can't get them all. Some of you may like some of these guys, and some of them may be okay, but let me tell you something. Many of those people are just charlatans getting money. And they're spreading a false doctrine. And the Bible tells us that, the, that Satan will come as an angel of light. There are false teachers everywhere. 
not only are there false teachings everywhere, oh, well, that, that's just in the Christian realm. Let's go out some of the other New Age. Oh, man, back in the 80s, New Age was a big thing. People, Christians were just starting to come aware of it, and, and they were seeing it everywhere, and it was everywhere. I don't think people today even notice or care or realize. New Age, if it has something to do with channeling someone, occultism, crystals, be careful of some of the holistic approach. There's a lot of stuff wrapped up into these things that our Eastern religion takes off on Buddhism and all sorts. Be careful. There's a lot of false teaching. And everybody loves that false teaching because it sounds so good. Oprah loves that stuff, man. She promotes it all the time. Be careful of the spiritual people you see on Oprah. We have the faith movement that says that if you really love God and if you really have the faith, you'll never get sick. You'll never be poor. You'll never... I think they need to go back and read the Bible. I mean, Paul got his head chopped off. Peter was crucified upside down. Um, every one of the apostles except for John died a martyr's death, but John got boiled in oil and sent to an island. That doesn't sound like... I think those guys had a lot of faith. That doesn't sound too like great prosperity. Be careful. Be careful of any teaching that, that, that brings out the lust in you. You send me $100, God will give you 1000 Let me tell you what, send the $100 here and we'll, we'll put it toward um, fixing some of the cracks in our stucco and repainting the building. And you'll get a real blessing. Persecutions. I have an older figure. I should have looked up the new one. 165,000 will die for their faith this year. That's about an eight-year-old figure. It's over 200,000 now. People are dying every day. You hear about it once in a while, but all throughout the Middle East, people are dying for their faith right now. Also in, in, in places like China and Laos and in those areas, North Korea is one of the worst areas. Persecution and deceptions. Second Timothy says this, Know this also, that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent. That means they don't, can't control themselves. Fierce, despisers of those that are good. Traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. Having a form of godless, but denying the power thereof. From such turn away. Listen, does that ever describe today? I know I described my generation growing up. The longer we live, the more and more these things seem to be so accurate about the times and the places we're living now. Listen, there are spiritual signs that we need to take a look at. There's the negative side, but there's also positive signs. Matthew 24, 14. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. The gospel is being preached. The gospel is being preached and received all over the world. Fifty years ago, there was only 2,700 known converts, converts from Islam to Christianity. This is a little bit older figure. It's about a six-year-old figure. 
Today there's 270,000. And that's growing every day. Places that are under great persecution, the gospel's flourishing, people are coming to know Christ. Do you know where the gospel's not flourishing? And where people aren't coming to know Christ in droves? Right here. We're too comfortable. We're very comfortable. I think that's a sign when Eric talked to you this morning about singing those great songs and, and understanding that message and, and singing out and with rejoicing. We've just gotten comfortable. Now, I could upset y'all if we just changed the music into a different style. I get everybody all been out of shape. Okay? You know, the funny thing is I get y'all been out of shape because you didn't like the style of music, but the style of music you like and you say you do, you, you just go through the motions. There's an apathy in God's people here because we're too comfortable. Maybe we need to get our eyes on the fact that he's coming back. He's coming back. There's political indicators. Verse 6 and 7. And you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. That nation is ethnos. Ethnic group against ethnic group. Kingdom against kingdom. Iran, Iraq, Afghanistan, all over Africa, all over Asia, South America. Even in the streets of this country, we're seeing wars and rumors of wars. We have people, I, was, I saw something today, there's a group called Antifa. They're anti-fascist, but they act like fascists to fight fascists, and they're in the streets, and they're doing all sorts of crap. Folks, that's war. It's going on all around us. The Bible speaks of a great army from the east that will number 200 million. That was not possible in the past, but today between China and Japan and India, it's no problem. Not a problem at all. Folks, we need to look at the signs. And by the way, I just named three countries that are pretty much ready to go to war. It's a dangerous time. There's political indicators. Watch what's going on. Don't get fooled by all the flashiness of the stuff going on in our country. Look beyond that. Look, dig deeper. And look beyond, and you'll see that this world is in a place ready to fall apart and ready for a strong leader to come and take over. Don't get fooled by all the, the flashing that's going around. There's also some natural indicators. Look at verse 7. Again, Matthew 24. For nation shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. There's famines all over this world. A lot of those are caused by the war. There's hungry people right here. Pestilences. I just, I've been reading about that the, the, the plague is back in certain areas of this world. There's a plague outbreak and earthquakes. I know we, I did, I did a little bit of research on earthquakes. There's, there's not a lot of indication that they're on the rise, and I know sometimes that's taught in, in 
we don't know if they're on the rise or not, but there's a lot of them, and they're in a lot of different places. And the Bible here doesn't say that there's going to be more earthquakes. It just says there's going to be earthquakes in a lot of different places. And we're seeing that every day. We need to look at the, the, the spiritual signs, the, the political signs, and the, the, the natural signs. And, and to understand that he's coming back, and he's going to come back soon. All that said, what are you supposed to do? What are we supposed to do about all this? Oh, by the way, you're not going to stop it. Okay? I, I know some may think that we can all live better and it will stop all the crazy. And I, no, no, no. We can't stop it. Our government's not going to stop it. Any other government's not going to stop it. This is God's sovereign plan of the ages. It's going to happen. But as his people, as his followers, how do we take care of this? What do we do about this? Real quickly. First of all, we need to start watching. Luke 21, 28. It's another pa a parallel passage that talks a little bit about this. It says this, And when these things begin to come to pass, then look up and lift up your heads, for your redemption draweth nigh. Titus 2, 13, one of my favorite verses, looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Let, let me just one, clarify one thing. In the Bible, when it says hope, that means it's going to happen. In our language, how we use it, we use hope as I wish it happens. In the Bible, it's already an established fact. We're just waiting for it to happen. So our hope is, for this, is when this happens. It's a blessed hope that the Lord's coming back. We need to watch. We need to be alert. In the light of, of Jesus' return, so much of what we do will become less and less important than watching for Him. Kind of look at your life. What is really the important stuff? What is it that just gets you all charged up? It used to be for me sports. Football. I could tell you everybody on the Miami Dolphin roster. I could tell you everything about them. I don't even know who their coach is now. You know, and, and the more the NFL does what it's doing, the less I want to watch it. It just... You don't watch sports to get a political message. You watch it to escape from all that. One good thing is I see the University of Miami is undefeated. That's a blessing. They got a coach. Yeah, any of you guys know University of Miami has had a really bad rap. It's it, they're they're criminals, and you know those of you who are Notre Dame fans probably remember the convicts versus the Catholics. And that's years ago, and at least Miami's got a good coach now. Mark Rick, he's a Christian. He's a believer. He, he graduated from University of Miami. He coached at Florida State under Bobby Bowden, and and got saved and coached at Georgia, and he's bringing Miami back. Those of you from Miami will understand that and like that. But in all, really, who cares about the football game? As we watch for Jesus Christ, a lot of the stuff that has, has overwhelmed us will come much clearer and be less important as we look for his return. Second thing we're to do is we need to live holy. 1 John 3, 3 says this, And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, 
even as he is pure. Look, this ought to encourage us to live a holy life. When I was a kid, my parents would go out. I had to run the house. I usually had to take care of my sisters, but I could kind of put them aside and got to do whatever you wanted to do. You remember those days? But the closer it came time for your parents to come home, the more you started cleaning up. My parents would go out of town and, and, and when I was in high school, and, and I work. I, I worked, so I couldn't go with them. And uh, so uh, as soon as my parents were down the road, my friends started showing up, and it was a party at my house whenever, until they came back. And I always got caught because we cleaned it up better than, than they left it. <laughs> my, my stepmom walked in. You had a party. That chair's been moved. You try to get everything ready for when they come back because you are expecting them. You clean up your act. As we look for Jesus Christ to come back, it should help us to clean up our act, to live holy for His glory. And then... Lastly, we need to develop an urgency about the winning of the lost to Christ. We need to grasp that, that people are dying and going to hell every single minute. Second Peter chapter 3, Peter's starting to write about some of these things. He says, this second epistle, uh, beloved, I now write unto you, in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior, knowing this first, that there shall come a time in the last day, oh, there shall come in the last days scoffers, people who don't believe, walking after their own lust. Does that kind of sound like today? And saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. Where is he? You guys have been preaching this message. He's coming back for, for years and years and years. I remember in the 70s, you know, he was coming any time. He was going to come in 88 and he was going to come. He's not scoffers. Peter goes on. For this, they willingly are ignorant of that by the word of God, the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that was then was being overflowed with water, going back to the time of Noah, perished. But the heavens and earth which are now by the same word are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord, as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but he is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, the earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Jesus is going to do what he said. He's coming back. He's coming back. And there's only a certain amount of time. 
We need to develop that urgency for those people that we see that don't know Him because they're going to face God's wrath. 2 Corinthians 6, 2. For he saith, I have heard thee in the time accepted, and the day of salvation have I succored thee. Behold, now is the expected time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. If you're here and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, now is the time to call on Jesus. He died to pay for our sins. He took your punishment. He took my punishment. He was buried. He rose again. He's gone to heaven, but he's coming back. His feet will touch the Mount of Olives. It will split. He will walk across. He will go in the eastern gate. It will be. They can't stop him. He's coming back. Watch for him. Let that motivate you to be holy in your living. And man, let's let's get the gospel to all those. All of those who walk in this world. We can't make them receive the gospel. We can give it to them. Our hands are clean. Let's do that.